This is a Dancepreneuring Studio podcast, session number 214, How to Be a Better Dance Artist. Hello there and welcome to session number 214 of the Dancepreneuring Studio podcast. My name is Annette Bone and the Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business. I get the joy and the privilege of sharing my journey back into the dance world after a 20 plus year hiatus. The lessons I've learned, the transformation I've experienced, and the wonderful creatives I've met along the way who also share their stories, their ideas, strategies, and tactics to help move your life and your business forward. 2019 seems so long ago, especially in light of this past year of coming out of the pandemic. Looking back at history of some notable events in 2019 included some fortunate and some not so fortunate, such as the all-women spacewalk, the Amazon Forest wildfires, Trump's impeachment, and the U.S. women's national soccer team winning its second consecutive championship. A remarkable experience I had in 2019 was the inspiring conversation I had with dancer, educator, choreographer, and writer Annabella Lenzu, who is based out of New York City. She directs her own company, Annabella Lenzu Dance Drama, ALDD, which since 2006 has presented 390 performances, created 14 choreographic works, and performed at 100 venues presenting thought-provoking and historically conscious dance theater in New York City. Side note, I'm sure the numbers are more than this now that some time has passed. Full disclosure as well, this interview was supposed to come out shortly after our conversation, so some of the references might not be applicable. However, the valuable insights that Annabella shares continue to be timely. I was excited to be reminded of some other resources I am researching based on her recommendations. Also note that her second book that she talks about in this conversation is scheduled to come out sometime this year in 2021 or later. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. So, Annabella, I found this really cute photo of you in your ballet attire. You're wearing a tutu at nine years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I imagine. It's an antique. Oh, my gosh. So at that time, you know, when you were studying ballet, what was your experience like when you were training in that art form before you got into what you're doing now? I I'm curious okay. to the transition because you, you uh-huh. started with classical training. So how was that growing up being trained in classical ballet? Well, first, l- let me explain you that I started before than ballet. I did flamenco. I started flamenco when I have five years old, all the way until 19. So my primary, you know, technique started with flamenco and then with ballet when I have nine years old. So. As an Argentinian, you know, South American, for us, I feel that it's like a, my the dance history passed through my body, you know, from folk dances, then go to a classical, you know, like a spectacular dance, and then go into the storytelling that I'm doing now with dance theater. You know, everything is what I say, organic in my body. Because, you know, I started playing castanet and, you know, have fun with, with the flamenco. And then we start, you know, my training more rigorous in ballet. And then when I decided to come to United States in 1999, you know, I studied one year at Juilliard School to find what it was the American classical modern dance. Um, so in a way, my body passed the dance history. 
Um, so I feel that it's organic. And because I'm South American, I always tell stories. So what I'm doing now using a spoken word is coming for actually from the ballet tradition, um, you know, to tell stories. <laughs> yes. Did you feel any pressure as you were taking ballet? Oh, yes, absolutely. I was bulimic. I was anorexic. You know, I was um, um, the school that I studied was very demanding, you know, um, part of my education was at the Teatro Colón. So, you know, where all the stars of ballet, you know, train, uh, you know, we study Paloma Herrera, Julio Boca, the Cornejos, you know, um, Nunez, everybody, you know, we study there. So it's very competitive. And, you know, we also come from a European culture where you need to have certain body standards. Um, so it was growing up, it was really tough. And I overcome this because I have a wonderful family. And so I remember my mom sitting on the kitchen table, you know, for hours. So I couldn't go to throw up in the bathroom. So um, I feel that it was a very good technique, um, but it also made me very strong. You know, many of, of my friends, they quit. But I feel that also because they didn't have like a, I was lucky to have my mom and my dad, you know, beside me all the time. And I have really difficult times uh, in my career. One one time also, the director of the school, um, she didn't like me, you know, we exceed the favoritisms. And she told me, you know, you know, Annabella, you are not going to become a, a professional dancer. But I, deep down, I feel like, no, I will, you know. Um, so it have to do for me, again, a lot with your support system. And I cannot address this more with my students. You know, sometimes um, I speak with them and I say, sometimes it's your family, sometimes it's your friends, sometimes it's your dance school. And you need to find a support system that keep you going. And um, because, again, dance is not for everybody, not because you need to have the perfect body, because there need to be a lot of factors that help you out to, to mature and continue uh, in this career. So that's that's why I teach, you know, to to give courage to others to to do it. I love how you explained all that. And it leads me actually to my next question about um, you. You mentioned you did have a strong support system. You did go through obviously mm-hmm. a lot of hard struggle with the mm-hmm. with the, the pressures mm-hmm. and the competition. And um, but um, I, I was curious because I was intrigued finding out that you were thinking of retiring as a dancer, but then you you got into um, pursuing your MFA and then with your thesis yes. for No More Beautiful Dances. Can you talk about that process? Sure, sure, sure. You know, so I'm 44 um, and I have two kids, you know, 10 years old and a five years old. So I've been dancing a long time. I've been touring all Europe, Italy, London. I moved to United States 13 years ago. And, you know, it's very interesting as as you grow and as you develop and, you know, you create your career, but you also create your family, how easy is to forget about yourself, um, you know, because it's, oh, okay, I'm teaching, I'm choreographing, I have my company here in New York City, but what about me? And so, um, because I'm, I really love to study and I love to read and I love to research each of my choreography projects is a research. I decide to do an MFA, even though I have, you know, almost full-time job teaching in New York City and then the two kids, I'm like, I'm going to do it because this is going to be my sacred time where I, I really want to discover again what it means for you dance again. 
And, and so I think it was the best decision that I ever made. You know, I was, I asked so many friends and so many, you know, head of these friend dance departments here in New York City, if it was the right decision for me, but it did because the, the program that I did at Wilson College allowed me um, to really research about myself as a performer again. And so much that um, after I finished my thesis, you know, I produced a show that I was produced at La Mama last year, last May. Uh, La Mama Moves, you know, it's very um, competitive getting produced in New York City. So my thesis sadly, you know, appeared to be featuring one of the main venues in New York City. Um, and that's leading me now that I'm working with two other different companies as a dancer, not as a choreographer. So um, it was a very interesting, you know, the transition, how to go for an education that you thought, oh, I need this in order to advance my career in the university system, but then impact my artistic life, like deeply, deeply. And I could connect again, you know, why I'm dance. And I have my body after became a mom, you know, also, I don't know if you know, um, but I've been deported of the United States in 2002. Um, when I was studying at Juilliard School here in New York. So I feel that everything is in my body, um, all these transitions, and I need to speak um, of the things in my body now at 44. Um, that, you know, perhaps in another time I will feel very insecure. Oh, I'm not so thin. Oh, I cannot jump or I cannot keep my leg higher. But, um, you know, I have so many things to say about femininity, about what is to be in a woman, what is to be accept your own body. I love so. that. I loved learning about that with your work and your background and um, the, the issues that you address in your work. And I also love that I found out that you are very process driven. And I've discovered that that's yes. it's such an amazing thing to allow yourself to be there. Because <laughs> when I initially started dance, it was all it was all about um, and I think it comes with maturity too, where it was just about, okay, mm -hmm. I want to learn choreography, I don't care what it means. I don't care. Mm -hmm. I just want to look good. And I want to be able to, to please the audience and just just get approval. And I'm finding yes. that dance is so much more than that. And it means so much more than that when you go, mm -hmm. when you allow yourself to go through processes. So I, and, and I also found out that your process is not um, predictable. It's not the same thing all the time, no. which I find no, very, very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel, you know, as a choreographer is my way to process life. You know, I teach, I choreograph and I write, you know, I, I publish and I'm working in my second book. So for me are three ways to process life. You know, sometimes I don't have words, so I have to dance. I have to choreograph this state. For example, in 2014, uh, my dad passed away and I was doing a project and I get um, several grants to do this project that it was very political. But then in the middle of the process, my dad passed away and I say, you know, I have to choreograph about my dad. And I dismiss, you know. Most of my dances, I just work with my assistant. And in two years, I created a full-length show that it was about grieving. And, and it was about, you know, what is to being a daughter. And I have to do the show. And, and the donors and the founders, they understood because it was important to talk about that, how you can capture the essence of a person. Um, you know, dance is ephemeral and we are also ephemeral. So um, I feel that, 
It's just to be in connection to who you are and the environment that you are. You know, living for me in South America was one life. Living for me in Italy was another life. And living in the United States is another life. So I respond to, you know, the social political things that happen. And um, and that's that's my job. Um, even, you know, sometimes we feel that dance is not powerful enough compared with music, compared with theater, you know. Um, we are, unfortunately, economically speaking, we are the less pay, the less, you know, with less resources of the other artists uh, because the way that we live, this is the way they were. But I see the impact in each of my students and each of my dancers. So the process is everything because if I don't feel that in a two years, a year and a half of creative process, if my dancers, if my collaborators, if myself, we don't work to become a better human beings, why are we doing what we're doing? Who cares to see another good show? There are so many good companies around the world, so many good shows and what? Um, so I think it's that deeply care um, and and deeply be in connection to yourself and to your community. That's the key, you know. Uh, one of my students asked me, Annabella, what do you, how you can define success, you know, especially living in New York City. With, we have 3,000 dance companies here. And I say, for me, success is to be able to do what I want when I want it and have the freedom to do it. In Argentina, in my country, I will not have the freedom to do it. Because it's the social political situation there did not allow me this. And um, I feel that in the United States, I can do it because I have the freedom. And um, for me, that's success already. It's not to perform in the Kennedy Center. It's not touring, you know, with my company in Europe or United States. It's to do what I want with the people that I want in the moment that I want. Because sometimes I just want to be with my kids. And it's okay. doesn't make me a worst choreographer because I decide to don't work this money in a creative process, you know. Um, but I feel that it's all about being in touch with yourself. And that's that's what we learn when we are in the bar since I have nine years old. You know? That's awesome. I loved everything you just said. I'm I'm sitting here <laughs> listening going, oh my gosh, I agree with her. This is amazing. I'm so glad I'm having this conversation <laughs> because she's so deep with her art and with her processes. And are you finding anything that is disturbing you about the dance world today? Is there something that bothers you about that you see that's yeah. common? Or is there something that on the, on the flip side too, is there something that you're seeing that's happening that's exciting as well? I feel, you know, because I have students from all over the world, I've been teaching, you know, in three different continents in, for the last 29 years. So I know what happened from Korea to Japan to Argentina, Chile, everywhere. I know I have one student on each country. So what I feel bother me about dance, and we was talking about that, I don't know if in Los Angeles is like that, dance became much more superficial, you know, in in. In the terms of dance history, you know, sometimes dance was more spiritual, sometimes dance was more intellectual, if we think about, you know, postmodernism in the 60s. But now I feel that dance is just about the body, you know, the body, the mind, and the spirit. And this pendulum in dance history go back and forth. Right now it's all about the body, how many tricks you can do with the body. But at the end of the day, I feel like it really helped you this. Like, oh, how many pirouettes I can do, you know, how many jump, how I, I became a contortionist. But by the way, 
are we speaking about something deep with dance? So that's the only concern as a dance teacher, you know. This morning I was teaching at Perry Dance Center and I'm, I made the student listen, you know, to Rashmaninoff. And I say, okay, I want that you dance to the music. And I make them dance five times because they didn't listen to the music. They thought they was listening to the music, but they didn't. And so, uh, my call is to, to just to do a little more work instead to work on the trick. Why we don't work about why we're doing what we're doing. If it is to really impact us or impact others, uh, you know, dance is very close. You know, we need the ego. You know, the ego is the only horse that we can ride when we perform, but it's beyond that. Um, so that's the only thing, you know, as a dance teacher that I, I talk a lot um, about that. And another exciting thing, I feel that now the boundaries are erasing, mean that some of my students are interested in drawing, some of my students are interested in, you know, in theater. And so they do dance and theater and drawing and animation and 3D. And so I see these artists working in a different media and I'm excited about that because I feel that it's pushing the boundaries of the definition. Of what is, you know, what is art? What is dance? What is theater? What is performance art? And what about if I want to do an aerial dance piece and then I want to read a poem and then I play a bandoneon? You know, why not? That is very exciting for me. But at the same time, we get so distracted with superficial things. I can can we go into the two extremes? Is my question. You know, like work like deeply finding the motivation at the same time talking about aesthetics and medias and you know and technology. How technology is uh, affecting dance so much. You know. Um, like dance films, like I myself, I started last year with this and how these affect the way I see dance, like it's not live anymore. Do you find that there are different times that you prefer one over the other or just you just kind of take it as it comes like, um, oh, I'm really excited I'm working on this dance film or I'm excited that I'm, I'm focusing on my students during an, an intensive or a special masterclass I'm doing or I'm really enjoying just right now this creative process of creating a new work. Do you find yourself kind of mm-hmm. going in and out or everything just, is just great because you get to create? How do you feel about I that? I think it's simultaneously, you know, I feel that the success to be, you know, a good teacher is because you asking yourself questions as an artist. And for me, it's alive. And I bring these questions into the classroom. Even they have their own questions. And I feel that this feedback, you know, for me, I teach and I choreograph and, you know, and uh, writing is not as a daily base, but, you know, weekly base. Um, I, I continue my practices in writing. But it's all together. I you know, some, they just can't focus on the teach. For me, it doesn't work because I need to share what I'm doing. You know, it's something that I deeply care and I deeply love. And I want to share, you know, I want to share whatever you call the secret or no secret or my questions or my affirmations um, with others. So I feel everything influence, you know, many of the scenes I'm working in a new show right now, um, that will be premiered in 2020, and it's about the performance, about the performance. And so many of the scenes are, you know, inspired by experiences with my students. You know, I remember we finished one class and one student said, well, I didn't understand because I am an artist. And then I create a whole, you know, very theatrical scene, um, having fun about trying to define who's an artist and who's not an artist. 
which I never call myself an artist, you know. I always call, like, I'm a worker of dance, you know, um, what these mean to being an artist. So I feel that everything is informing. The creative process informs my teaching, my teaching informs inform my writing, my writing inform, you know, because the students that kind of be like, can we have an exercise? Can we have a text about that? So they force me to write. They force me to keep choreographing. And as, again, it's like a priest. You can preach, but if you don't do, you show with your example. Yes. So, oh, yes. I you know, totally agree about that. You you have to. You have to. So when they see me on the stage and, you know, they're like, oh, but a novella is kind of like, oh. And they expect to see one thing and they see another one. It's like, oh, you have so much courage. And I'm like, well, that's the thing that is left over. <laughs> The courage, you know, to keep going. It, well, it's pretty courageous of you of leaving your country and, and doing all the things that you've done and putting yourself out there. That's pretty courageous and putting your art and your thoughts and everything out there because, you know, as a, as a working dancer, as a choreographer, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're always subject to criticism because art is so subjective. And so how have you, how have you dealt with criticism and with people not getting what you do or not appreciating what you do? Because obviously you pour your heart and your soul and your life into all of your work and your family and just everything and and who you are. So how do you deal Mm -hmm. with, uh, with the naysayers? Well, I feel that everything is, is like, if you do it from a, with a necessity, from a necessity, it makes sense. You know, like at the beginning, especially, you know, living in New York City is so competitive. How many venues can produce my work? How many presenters are interesting? So, you know, and the fact that perhaps I did not get selected to be produced or to be included in a festival, it doesn't mean that it's about the quality of my work. Um, it doesn't mean, you know, could be that it's a political situation, could be that it's a trend. We all are in dance and in all the art, we follow trends. So I am not a trend choreographer and I never want to be a trend choreographer because I feel that I'm thinking about the future is not a thinking about what is interesting or fashionable right now. So, but I feel again, you know, come back to this photo of the nine years old. Um, thank you for bringing it back because it's, I feel it's the foundation. Um, and, you know, get your security when you are like, I do this not because I'm the best, not because I'm the worst, because my story is valid. And because I have to do it no matter what, uh, because sometimes I feel that it's my duty. You know, like you have some duties as a citizen. I have my duties that is to help others to find their own voice as an artist because I have great teachers that they did for me. So why I'm not passing the torch to the next generations? And um, I feel that it's bigger than myself. So when I get a rejection, you know, we get so many rejections in, in New York State because it's, it's overwhelmed of artists, you know, and it's different than if you work in Europe when you receive money from the government. So everything here is private. So it make you look at dance in a different way than when you work in South America or when you work in Europe. So for me, I'm very um, aware about where I am and also aware of, my community and what I'm going to say to who, you know, for me working with international women here in New York city, you know, I have 39 different students from 39 different countries. Now we just have a student from Iran 
And, you know, dance is prohibited in Iran. So why we do what we do? It's not about be rejected because what I do is I don't have a choice like this dancer from Iran. She has to come to United States because dance is prohibited. <laughs> so it's a question of survival and, and listen deep down to what is your duty? What is your role in life? And I feel that it's nothing, you know, when you go to sleep at night, nothing gives you more satisfaction than help others. And uh, in helping others, you help yourself. That is very true. That is very true. And I, and uh, speaking of helping others and passing along your expertise and your passion and your knowledge and you, just everything that you've done with uh, your background, going from your first book, Unveiling Motion and Emotion, mm-hmm. to your book that's coming out in 2020, what has mm-hmm. changed? Obviously, the, there's it's a new book. So what have you learned from the first to do, now getting ready to release your second? <laughs> What's that been like? Well, the first book, it was, you know, I didn't have the patience to be published for any editorial. Um, so I went ahead and I self-published. And I did that because I was, I need to tell this story to my students, to my colleagues in writing. And I need to put these words down. So what I did in the first book is a bilingual book, Spanish and English. I told my story to from the beginning until, you know, five years ago, what is to be kind of like the Mary Poppins of dance and have the luggage and your umbrella and go from one country to the other, from language to another, from a teaching a technique class to teaching composition to teach dance history. What is this journey that inspires others? And my second book is more about my request. My students always ask me technical questions. I'm very, I'm a a technician, what I do. I really consider myself a technician. So they start to ask me, and I'm like, can you record that, you know, YouTube video? Can you just record your voice doing the exercises? And I say, you know, I'd rather to write a book. So (laughs) this book has been cooking for five years and it's going to talk about how to, it's two parts of the book. One is how to teach dance and the other one is how to train as a dancer. So they are combining together. And I'm not just talking about, you know, the the typical books that you have, like correct or incorrect alignment of your pelvis on your ribcage, or talking about, you know, superficial muscles versus deep muscles. I'm talking about a holistic point of view from the body, the mind and the spirit. And so... I ask a lot of questions in the book. I have a lot of questions for the students to find out who they are. And at the same time, as a teacher, you know, like I feel that sometimes, you know, not in every place, but sometimes in New York City, I feel that people just teach because it's a question that I want to be popular. But teaching is about others. It's about serving you know, you're like a nurse. You need to do a transfusion. You need to take the temperature. You need to put a vaccination. What do you have to do in order to help others? So this book had these two parts. That is one to help the technician to understand that. And then the other one is, okay, is my, my, my duty to teach or how I can serve the institutions? How you measure the success of the institutions? How you measure the success of your student, the success of your class? So um, I'm I'm very excited, and you know, hopefully it's going to be published um, next year. Let's see. And this time I'm uh, I did differently because I'm applying to different publishers. So the project is being considered for different publishers. Um, so you know, I want to try a different way now. 
<laughs> I'm excited to to see it. I'm excited to see the first book too. I was looking through the information and I thought, oh my goodness, this is good. This just and then you, you you've gotten a lot of accolades on it, understandably, and and also the yeah. um, the art, the the different installations and things you've had in your performances and looking at your dancers. What, do you mm-hmm. look for a certain quality, or do you train them to adopt a certain quality within your aesthetic? How do you develop your dancers? Of course. Well, first of all, you know, when I have auditions here in New York City, I look for high technicians, you know, people that know how to, because again, I work with professionals. I separate the waters. One are my students, one are, you know, professional dancers. So I look for someone that is um, with technical knowledge, which is mean that they can control the body. Um, and then we start to talk about my aesthetic because I'm more European, um, so my productions include projections and videos and masks and um, spoken word and technology. So each project is different. So what I'm looking in a dancer is the openness. I say it's not just about the flexibility of the body. It's about the flexibility of your mind and your spirit. How available are you to work together with me? And to be able to fail and to be able to make a mess and don't worry if you're going to look pretty or not. And being in this journey of discover together. So um, when I look at someone and, it, and for me, it's pretty simple when I just, you know, teach a combination and then I make them improvise, you know, theme and variation of my piece. And then I see they are know how to read me. They understand what are the motivations behind the gesture. And then perhaps I see something on them and then, you know, I start to train them. Uh, they come to my classes and then also for my company members, you know, I work with different collaborators in voice, in theater, in acting. So they come and they train my company members. Uh, but for me, you know, this is also my duty to create a, a cohesive style and not a pickup dancer company, you know, because we see a lot of that project by project. I'm like the old school in that sense. You know, I want to work with people that are open and we're going to have a relationship that hopefully will last, um, you know, the lifelong. And that's the impact that I want. So, um, but again, it's, it's, it's so if, the, if the impact it doesn't um, do it at the human level, why we do what we do? <laughs> you know, I say to my dancers, the name of my company is Annabella Lenzu Dance Drama, but I don't want dramas on the company. You know, the dramas are out. The dramas are in the show. Um, so being an easygoing and an open and curious. So I look at all these qualities, but I can see it. You know, sometimes you say in an audition, oh, how you can know all these things, Annabella? Well, after 29 years, you kind of have a, an X-ray on your eyes. So you see how a person moves. You see how a person greets. You see how people stretch, how they warm up, how they direct to others, you know, kind of like a, I have a special trained eye with all these uh, ears um, to find out who's who's going to be the next collaborator. Well, I definitely want to come to your class. <laughs> I, you are you, the doors are open. Oh my god! I was looking at I was looking at your videos and I thought, oh my gosh, I would love to train with her. Oh my goodness! I, I have to get to New York City. I seriously do. 
Absolutely. I wait for you. Okay, good, good. I'm glad to hear that. So I, I have three questions that I call the dancepreneuring quick step that um, they're very okay. quick. And so the first one is dance style that you haven't tried but would like to and why? Oh, I never thought about that. So it's a great question. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm tending to hip hop. Why not? You know, it's 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 out of my alley, you know, like uh, I'm a tanguera ballet. So, you know, uh, dance theater. So I consider myself a little more stiff. Uh, you know, I don't know. But I think my character, you know, half Italian, half Argentina will go with that. So hip hop, why not? Yeah, why not? Yes. <laughs> who, is, um, who is your favorite dancer or choreographer and why? Okay, have several. <laughs> um, so it's, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, in different parts of the planet. Um, I've been watching lately because, you know, I teach dance history. Uh, one of my favorite dancers is Ana Laguna, is a wife of Max Eck, um, you know. So I feel that, uh, and she's 63, 64. And I was showing a different show that they did like five years ago with Misha, with my, Mihal Barishnikov. Mm-hmm. They tour all over, but they didn't tour or show the piece here in New York. Um, and, you know, just look at her technique and maturity yes. also for character development. Um, as a choreographer, right now I'm, I'm watching more a theater directors, oh. actually, hmm. and pretty controversial, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm looking much more about theatricality right now than movement inventions. So I've been watching a lot of Romeo Castellucci. He's um, an Italian director. He was a director of the Venice Venal for many, many years. They bring a show here, very controversial. They bring it to Montclair University in New York for Mother's Day. I went to see it um, about, you know, democracy in America. So I'm looking from a different strategies of theatricality. And then another one very controversial that I'm watching is, uh, Jean Fabre. And, you know, he's, um, visual artist primary, then he a theater director and then start to choreograph. And Jean Fabre have a lot of, you know, issues. He had like a, um, a lot of problems. Now he couldn't come last year to perform. The company came to do, um, Mount Olympus at NYU Skirbo and it was a 24 hours performance and I was blown away. I knew his work from before. Uh, and even though personally, you know, he's a very controversial person. Um, I looking at him like why he transgressed and why, how he pushed the boundaries between dance and visual art and theater. Um, so I'm watching them a lot and I'm reading them a lot and all my European dancers, they send me material. So I'm, I'm watching that right now, you know, um, not so much a choreographer straight. Um, I don't know. It's just when you became so, um, technician, um, I kind of needed something that shake me up aesthetically. So, um, that's what I'm looking at. Well, you are always in the learning creation process. So it makes sense that you would say that. And you're actually the first person I've had on the show that's, that said, it's not like like a necessarily a dance choreographer. So I'm, I have, I have some new people to check out. I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, but that's, that's what excited me. You know, when I hang out with musicians and they tell me at this new composer with my friends that are visual artists and they, you know, pinpoint like, like I discover, um, 
what's her name now? Um, Louise Bourgeois, you know, two years ago. And, uh, and I was like, oh, who's Louise Bourgeois? It's uh, this female artist that, you know, she passed away at 93 years old, very feminist artist. I'm like, I want to check it out. And then I rediscover Ana Mendieta, and again, as a performance artist and visual artist. So not necessarily all the influences are coming from another dancers and choreographers. Um, because it challenged my way to think differently about my field. I love that. Oh, I love that so much. Oh my gosh. So the last question is, what is the dance style, or actually now in your case, what is the art form or dance style that describes your day right now and why? Like this moment, this mm. moment that we're talking and having this conversation, what would you say is, is uh, representative of a specific art style or dance style now that we've opened it up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, this morning, as I was telling you, I was working with um, Rashmaninoff music and it was so emotional. So I will say that theater. I definitely say that because sometimes you need to say things very specific and sometimes you just need to hug someone. Um, so I feel that it's dance theater, definitely. Um, these these two boundaries and here in New York City right now is is very gloomy and it's raining so why not you know put some words or some singing on on your dance yes oh my gosh <laughs> wow I I am just beside myself excited I keep saying that talking to you and learning about all these things and and hearing your perspectives and it just you know talking to people like you just makes me want to learn more and makes me excited that there are people out there that really pursue the things that they're passionate about for purpose. Like you mm -hmm. said, you have to do what you're doing. It, it's, it's your mission. It's mm -hmm. your calling. And um, yeah. it's not about the popularity, popularity or what no. looks pretty or that kind of thing. Although that stuff is fine for, you know, some people, but I just, I love that yeah. there's so much more to what you do than just the aesthetic. And I really appreciate mm -hmm. that. So Annabella, it's Thank been, you. it's been just like amazing, mind blowing talking to you. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Annette. And, you know, I'm here in New York City. You know, anytime that someone of your audience or you come, just contact me. And for sure, we're going to see an exhibition. I show you come into my class. You know, that's that's it's my home here. So um, I, I love to have people. Oh, my gosh. I will <laughs> definitely take you up on that. Thank you so much. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on this session. Remember that you are valuable, your dreams are important, and it's never too late to be great.